What's Tech is supported by City Cards with Android Pay. Listening on your phone? Now you can pay while you listen. Using the same device. Just tap and go. Download the Android Pay app on Google Play or visit city.com slash Android Pay to get started. Android Pay is available for eligible city, consumer credit, and debit cards. For the first few days I played the game, I, you know, at, at the very beginning you get this little spaceship and I kind of stuck with it the whole time because, you know, it was cute. It looked really cool and boxy and it served my needs. And also when you try to buy a ship off an alien, it costs like an obscene amount of money and I didn't feel like putting in the effort to raise that money. But then I was on this sh- this planet and I stumbled across a broken down ship that was like huge. It had like a really cool paint job and it was like a pretty good upgrade and it was free. You know, I didn't have to spend any money on it. The game has a feature where you basically just kind of like switch ownership. So I no longer owned my small ship. I took over this big one. But the reason it was crash landed on a planet was because it just like didn't work. Um, So I had to go through the whole (laughs) process of fixing everything so that I could get it running again. And the thing is, because I had a ship that couldn't fly now in order to like gather all the resources necessary, I had to do it on foot. And I was on like a really (laughs) terrible planet where it was hard to find everything. So it took me like, I don't know upwards of like six hours to do all of this <laughs> stuff and it was basically so i could have like two more slots to store things um and a, a nicer looking ship uh is this fun it's fun once you get in the ship but like, oh sure after the, the six hours yeah the, the preceding six hours are not so much fun now Hello, and welcome to What's Tech, a podcast from TheBurge.com. I'm your humble host, Christopher Thomas Plant. And today, we are joined by my friend, my colleague, games editor at The Verge, Andrew Webster. How are you doing? I am quite well. I am glad to have you here. Today, we're talking about No Man's Sky. It is a video game uh, that maybe you've heard about. Despite being from a comparably small team with minor experiences, I would say, in terms of releases, they, they previously worked at uh, EA, which is a big publisher, but their last game was... What was their last game? Uh, they did a bunch of Joe Danger games, which yes. is a very, very small, very different kind of game than No Man's Sky. Kind of like uh, Sonic, but with a stuntman. Yeah, kind of. Sonic... Yeah meets excite bike kind of thing yeah yeah um and then they made this game which uh will just kick off from there what is the i guess top level pitch for no man's sky i mean it's basically a virtual universe that you can just explore however you want is kind of the top level idea so it's like a sci-fi exploration game you know you start out you're kind of crashed crash landed on this planet and from there you have to figure out everything you have to figure out how to survive how to fix your ship Um, there's kind of like a very minimal story going on, but it's the whole idea is that it's up to you and you can kind of go about things however you want. And the big hook is that it's just like massive. The game has, they say 18 quintillion planets, which is a number I learned because of this game. And it uses this thing called, this process called procedural generation to sort of ensure that there's like an infinite number of variations. So all of these worlds are different. They have different, you know, they look different. They have different atmospheres and plant life and animal life and all that stuff. And so the way it works is basically, you know, like the designers and the artists kind of create all these pieces for alien animals and for the way planets can uh, the different parts of a planet and then they create rules for how these things fit together and then like an algorithm just 
builds a universe from that. Let, let's go back to kind of what we just mentioned with Joe Danger, because I think that puts it really in contrast. It, tell us a little bit uh, more detail, I guess, for these games that they made just before No Man's Sky. Yeah, I mean, it was I actually reviewed the first Joe Danger back when it launched on PS3. It's basically like, it, you know, it's it's hard to explain. It's like it's Sonic meets Excitebyte is kind of a good thing. It's like a side-scrolling game where you play as a little a little stuntman and you go through courses and you collect things and you try to pull off tricks and it's very arcadey and has this kind of like Pixar vibe, like really cute and colorful. And at that point when they first released it and for a good couple of years, I think there were four people who, like you said, had worked at um, bigger studios in England and... Yeah, and they followed it up with, you know, there's like a sequel, there's a couple different mobile versions. The funny thing is, I, I remember for like years on their website, they always had, like when you go to like projects, they always had this section called like Project Skyscraper. It was like this big mysterious thing they were doing, and it turns out that was No Man's Sky. They, so they've been thinking about it for a long time while they were doing this much smaller thing. So, I mean, how many people ended up actually making it? Because you mentioned the team, you know, was four people or so when they were doing Joe Danger. How much has it expanded? I, I I don't know if this is the exact amount, but I believe it's 15 like people are at the studio. They scaled up to do this gigantic game. Um, it's still pretty small, and I know they also had a bit of outside help from like contractors on stuff like story and whatnot. But it's like under 20 people creating a universe in a way. That, I mean, that's not overwhelming or challenging at all. <laughs> I feel like that's like the quality assurance team at a studio like uh that would make call of duty games. yeah that's how um, many people search for bugs in a shooter yeah is the game really impossible for one person to explore like how much does it feel like you are surrounded by 18 quintillion planets i mean so there's no maps or anything in the game so like you don't know what's around you but there's you always have these like little question marks that pop up to letting you know there's something like of interest like kind of you know a few minutes away and like all of these are undiscovered. So there's like, you know, dozens, hundreds of these things on a planet and you're visiting multiple planets and there are multiple planets in multiple star systems. So yeah, like I think it's not just impossible for one person to explore and see everything. I think, you know, even if millions of people are playing this game, I don't know how much it's sold, but like even if there were millions of people playing this one game, everyone's not going to see everything that's in the game. Like 18 quintillion planets times all of the things that exist on those planets is a number that I can't really think about. Okay, so this small team made this game with 18 quintillion planets that you can explore from outer space and then land on the planets. And yet people seem pretty upset about it when I go to Reddit. Why? Why are people so uh, up in arms, or certain groups of people, I, I should say, uh, so up in arms about this game? I mean, I think the thing is, and it's true of all games, is that um, they change a lot. You know, you have an idea for what a game is, but then the process of actually making it, um, you end up with something very different, so things get cut or things get changed. Um, but I think what the thing with no man's sky is like kind of the scope of it kind of created these sort of very outsized expectations you know like the the first trailer showed very realistic animal life like kind of interacting like there was some sort of uh, like 
ecosystem in place and that's stuff like that's not actually really in place so i think there's there's kind of two sides of it there's i I think the game was poorly communicated like what it is and what you're actually doing and that allowed these people to create you know in their minds this idea that you know a dozen people are going to make an actual functioning virtual universe. <laughs> I think a lot of people have probably seen it, but on Reddit, there's like this very hyper detailed thread that pulls like all of the quotes that the developers have said and compares them to what's actually in the game. And like a lot of it is like super minor stuff that, you know, naturally got cut because maybe it didn't work or they didn't have time or whatever. Some of it's like bigger stuff. Like there's, there's been a big controversy about when two people actually were on the same planet for the first time and they couldn't see each other and it, it was kind of understood that you would be able to see other people but it would be super rare so I, yeah i think it's just like a really it, it's a case of just things being really poorly communicated and it's got kind of worse since the game's come out because the the developers have been pretty silent about what's going on and why things are different and like what's being fixed and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, what was it like, I mean, your personal experience, I should say, in your first few days of this game? I mean, what is the game in actuality? It's been interesting. I think the weird thing about No Man's Sky, or one of the weird things, is that it it does like some things like really, really well, and then a lot of things really, really poorly. I I kind of liken it to watching baseball, where like, I don't know, like 80 to 90% of the time, I'm just like, this is really boring, and why am I not doing something else with my time? But then like something like really amazing happens, and you're like, okay, this is this is pretty awesome. So I'll stick with it. And No Man's Sky is like that a lot. It's, you know, it's a lot of wandering around, mining for plutonium, so you have fuel for your ship and just doing like really really boring stuff but then you'll see like a crazy alien and you're like holy shit this is like super cool there's a point where i was stuck in a cave for like three hours and i did nothing but try to find an exit and i almost drowned and it was like the most insanely boring thing and i couldn't even save because there's no save points in the cave i had to get out and find a save point and it's just like insanely tedious you know there's things that take a long time you know, sometimes you'll see a plant in the distance and it's like, this is five hours away. So you could technically just like hold down the throttle on your ship and go for five hours. And it's just like insanely boring. Um, and then you get to the planet and there's no life on it and it's toxic and it's trying to kill you. So yeah, there's like a lot of tedium, but then there's like the fact that you don't know what you're going to see. And the fact that in almost every instance, what you're seeing, you're the first person ever, like including the people who made the game to have seen it. And, you know, you can name things that you discover. It like creates this really crazy sense of sort of exploration. Like you're an explorer in space, like finding these things that no one has ever seen, ever seen before. And it's, it's just like really satisfying. And it, it kind of helps that the game like looks super pretty and you know it kind of feels like you are living in an old sci-fi paperback cover. Sure. I mean, you mentioned the procedural generation, you know, this kind of algorithm that the company or I guess designers use to help them create so much more than they possibly could create on their own. Have you seen this in any games before? I mean, it, it it's existed like but on a drastically smaller scale like you'll have like i don't know like a role-playing game or something where the dungeon will be sort of procedurally generated so that every time you go in it's like a different kind of thing but it's it's very small it's like rooms where things are placed slightly differently like a treasure chest will be here versus over there the the only like sort of big game i can think of that did this was something similar with spore um, which was a game by will wright who's the guy who did the sims and sim city um 
and it used procedural generation to kind of create like different species of animals and how they an- animate and all that kind of stuff. Um, and the funny thing is it it had so a lot of the pl- complaints people have about No Man's Sky are similar to Spore, especially when it comes to the creatures because. You have this thing where you have all these different pieces um, and then the computer kind of figures out how they fit together and then you end up with some like really strange looking stuff that doesn't always make sense. Do do you think it's going to become more popular? I mean, I look at this game and, you know, 18 quintillion planets or whatever. There's obviously like tons of potential, but it feels like a lot of the beef is with the I want to say the easy things, but the like the old school things, like the traditional game design. The um, my I know that I struggled playing a bit of it because it felt like I was being poisoned constantly and just curing myself from infinite poison. Do you do you think that somebody will kind of grab this idea and run with it, and that'll be kind of a a new genre of types uh, that we'll see more of? I mean, I definitely think it's something that people will will use because I mean, maybe not to the scale that No Man's Sky did, but I mean, when you can see what's possible from like a really small team, like how giant of a thing they can make, like it's pretty. I feel like the possibilities are pretty are pretty large and for like like you're mentioning like all the problems that the game has like the thing that makes it cool and the thing that makes it interesting is that kind of that variation and and the scale of it where you you don't know what you're going to see so there's definitely ways that people can kind of build off that and and make things because you know the, the thing with with games is one of the things that makes them so time consuming to make is that you you know in grand theft auto that city that's like the size of new york like someone had to build every part of it by hand they had to craft like every door and every part of the sidewalk but procedural generation kind of removes that and creates those things much much faster and with much less sort of hand built input yeah i mean i think those are really interesting comparisons if only because i believe rockstar has found success is because of like not i guess really its scale but it's like obsession with curation like you walk around in its open worlds and every detail feels perfectly placed there which would be the one thing that procedural generation couldn't do but on the flip side like so many other open world video games feel so lacking in direction that i don't know if like i would really notice the difference between a procedurally generated world and you know the kind of everything is thrown together except for a few key pieces in uh, i don't want to point at the assassin's creed series but sometimes it can feel like one street just looks like the other. Yeah, I mean when your when your game makes like a billion dollars in three days, you can kind of take that time to just <laughs> to make what you want. Just make whatever you want. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Before we wrap up, really quick, because I have a feeling a lot of people will try No Man's Sky that maybe don't play that many games at all. Do you have any guidance for a first timer, a beginner who is about to set sail in the galaxy? I would honestly say just to not read anything about it and just kind of go in with the mentality that you are don't don't look for a structure to kind of guide you just kind of follow what you find interesting and kind of be that explorer and find cool stuff nice thanks for doing the show today man no problem thank you uh thank you to our producer andrew marino and thank you for listening uh because without you we wouldn't do it you can listen to us every week we come out on tuesday you can find us on itunes or your favorite podcatcher or you can find us on theverge.com we're both andrew and i write uh with great regularity until next time we'll talk to y'all later goodbye
Ba-ba-da-ba-da-ba-ba.